Well, thank you. I am uh, much privileged to be here. It's my honor. Uh, it was wonderful to worship with those songs. I think they, they speak of your heart. And then uh, the questions, I, we popped in about halfway through, I think, of the questions. Those were great, great questions. You know which one was my favorite? My favorite was, uh, how many of you were ever suspended? Because I, I didn't know Asians ever got suspended. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, they do, they do. I, I was glad. That made me happy. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, I, I love the church. I already love this church. This is already, I know, a great church. Uh, lots of different ways to do church, right? Lots of different ways. And in looking at your uh, website and, and the, how you have articulated uh, with the kind of people and the kind of church you want to be, and then talking to Pastor Paul, uh, you, have, uh, I, you have thought it out. You have thought very clearly and, and thought very carefully of what kind of church you, know, you want to be. And it, it definitely is a church that uh, honors God, is not showy, is not uh, full of uh, all kinds of... Uh, explosive, you know, wonderful, you know, lights and smoke and all that kind of stuff, which is good. That's good. But you, you thought about it and you said, no, we, we want to focus more on being the kind of person Christ wants us to be and being the kind of church that, that he would be happy to, to come to. And I, I think you're, you're doing a great job. So uh, I, I, I've, I love so many different churches, uh, I, haven't, I, I have hardly ever gone to a church I didn't love. You know, really, I mean, if you get to know them, they're, they may be totally different than you, but they, uh, they are people who love the Lord, and that's what unites us together. Well, I, I know it's a cliche, you know, to camp out, but we're going to camp out. We're up here camping. We're going to camp out on the book of Philippians, and we're going to uh, look at it carefully. Uh, the more I get to know the book of Philippians, the more I have wanted the church I served at and any church I attend to uh, be the kind of church that the church at Philippi was. The book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul, as you know. Uh, think about this. The first word in 13 books is Paul in the New Testament. The first word in 13 books is Paul. So he was a big gun, right? I mean, he, he was a powerful leader in the early church, and he still is a, a powerful leader 2,000 years later. In fact, uh, I have this book here. I, I don't want to, uh, I'm not going to read or anything like that, but this is an interesting book. I haven't read the whole thing either. Uh, it's not that kind of book, really. But it, this, this is by Michael Hart, who is a uh, historian, uh, not a Christian. I don't, know, I don't know if he's a Christian, but it's not a Christian book for sure. But he is a respected historian. And what Michael Hart does is he, he, looks at, he looked at history, all world history, and said, uh, who have been the 100 top influencers? Who have been the top 100 leaders that have influenced uh, the world that we have? You know, how, who, who are they? And the Apostle Paul's number six, which is uh, very good, which is pretty amazing because you have Jesus ahead of him and others, but... Uh, Paul's number six in the whole world in this man's uh, understanding. Well, the Philippians church that Paul started 
full of great people. They were generous to a fault. They, they were mission-minded. They loved the Apostle Paul. They prayed for the Apostle Paul. They risked their lives for the Apostle Paul. The Philippian church was the first church Paul started in Europe. In fact, is when he, when he crossed over from what, what is today Turkey, he came to Philippi. And that's where he began his greatest influence. That's, his greatest influence was in Europe. And the first time the Apostle Paul's life and ministry went to uh, went anywhere outside of Asia was when it crossed over into Europe and Philippi was the first church. So here are some things that I think you can learn. We're not going to learn all these, but here are some things I think you can learn from this little book. I think you can learn how to make wiser decisions. Anybody need that? You know, I could use that. Uh, I, you will learn how to grow to maturity as a person and as a Christian, how to live in harmony with other people, how to have the peace of God in your life, the power of an example, how to develop courage. You'll learn God's plan on how to salvage a disaster. How, how do you salvage a major failure or, or something that went wrong in your life? How do you salvage it? What it? You'll learn what it means to rely on Christ's power, how to live by faith rather than fear, how to attain the goals for which God made you. You'll discover tools and resources to be stronger, and I think you will find the key of being a part and building a great, healthy, happy church. And that's, that's what we're going to do. So let's start by reading Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. And then we're going to look at uh, three important Christian values that are highlighted in this passage. So Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus... To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's just the, the introduction as, as, as normal letters had it. But okay, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, open up our hearts, open up my, my heart, and, and uh, help us to really uh, connect with what you are uh, wanting us to get out of this passage. This is your word, and we want, to, uh, we want it to be in our hearts, and we, we want it to shape us. So help that happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, here are three values that I see highlighted in this uh, passage. The first one is to be a partner in the gospel. Verses 3 and 5, look at those again. I thank my God every time I remember you. 
in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day un until now. Partnership in the gospel from the first day until, from the time Paul started his ministry in Philippi all the way 10 or 20 years later when he writes this book. That really is, is, is what I want to communicate this weekend, is to be a partner in the gospel. Because partners in the gospel build strong, effective, healthy, happy churches. Partners in the gospel generally become pillars in any community they're in. They support ministry in the church. They are involved in ministry in the church. They can be counted on through thick and thin. They don't quit. In season and out of season, they're there. Partners in the gospel don't, don't uh, back out when things get challenging. And in any church, it, you'll have some challenging times. I'm sure you've had some struggles and, and some tough times because that's called life. That's called life in the church. And partners go through those. Partners don't let negative people sour their vision for the church. Partners want the church to grow and will do anything they can to help it grow. That's a description of the Christians at Philippi. Partnership in the gospel. Partnership in the gospel is more than just being an active Christian. It's more than, than being a busy Christian. It, it's kind of the difference between dating and being married. And there was some, uh, wasn't there a question about dating? Uh, on the, and the, was, didn't say, what, about who had a, a bad experience or something like that? Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, good. Yes. Well, let me tell you, uh, that, that's, that's the difference. Uh, it, the difference between being uh, married and, and just dating is kind of the difference between being a busy Christian and being a partner in, in, in the gospel. If you're a dater, you know, you can spend all your time with this girl or all your time with this guy. But uh, you know what? You, you, you are not fully committed until you are married and, and where you have committed yourself for the rest of your life, you know, in, in sickness in, in health, in riches and poverty, for better, for worse, through arguments, through confession of faults, through forgiveness, loss of jobs, loss of children, injuries, cancer, sharing, all those kinds of things that, that some of you will have in your marriage. You'll have some of those things. And a commitment to, to walk through life with another person in marriage is very similar to the partnership uh, in the gospel in, in, in the church. Partners in the gospel share the victories and the challenges. And that is what Jesus wants us to be. And it's what uh, partners in the gospel build the kind of church that, that you want. Uh, several years ago, I, I was part of a little Bible study, a men's Bible study. There were about six of us. We met in a coffee shop every morning. And uh, one of the uh, participants in the, in, in the Bible study was a man who owned an Ace Hardware store, a little Ace Hardware store. This was many years ago. And so uh, he has this little Ace Hardware store. And then in our neighborhood, in the same neighborhood, uh, a Build and Save and a Builder's Emporium both went in at the same time. And at the time, those were big stores. Those were big stores, you know, Build and Save and Builder's Emporium. And, and, and they affected my friend's business. And then... Home Depot and Lowe's came in, you know, and they put Builders Emporium and Build and Save out of business. They're too small. And here's my friend with his little Ace Hardware store. You know, can you imagine how a, 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 a Lowe's 
and a Home Depot would affect that little store, his little Ace Hardware store. So sometimes in our Bible study, you know, we would have a time of sharing, and, and he would share some of the burdens he had, you know, with his store. And I sympathized. I, I sympathized with him. I prayed for him, and I was concerned. But when that Bible study got over, when we finished our breakfast, finished our prayers, finished our sharing, I went back to the church office, and he went to the store. And we were not partners. You know, I was a friend. I was a concerned friend. But if I had been a partner with him, if I had my money with, uh, as a co-partner in his store, if my family's health and, and uh, livelihood depended on that store, I'd be chewing on my fingernails like he was. I'd be worried about accounts payable, accounts receivable. I'd be worried about the employees. I'd be worried about the future like he was, you know, because I would be a partner because that's, that's the level of partnership. You, you take the same burdens on and you share the, those, those, those burdens. Uh, I was always concerned. I always prayed. But I went to my office, you know, the church office. And so I, I was a concerned friend. But I was not a, a, a partner with him because I didn't own any part of that store. You know, there is a cost to being a partner in the gospel. There's a cost to any kind of partnership, whether it's marriage, business, or, or in the church. And these Philippians, these Philippians, this is the only church in all the New Testament that the Apostle Paul called partners in the gospel. And he does it twice, as you'll see. He does it at the beginning and he does it at the end of the book. This is the only church. Of all the churches Paul started and, and wrote to and, and had uh, relationships with, only one does he call partners in the gospel. And that's the Christians at, at Philippi. Because... This church at Philippi always faithfully supported him financially. They always prayed for him. They always sent helpers. One of their pastors, Epaphroditus, uh, either got sick or got beat up as he was bringing money to Paul when Paul was in prison. One place uh, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapters uh, 8 and 9, uh, Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians and he talks about the faithfulness and the generosity of the Macedonian Christians. Well, the Macedonian Christians are the Philippians. That's the Philippians. And he uses the Philippians to try to spur on the, the Corinthian Christians. When some Christians ridiculed Paul and tried to undercut his ministry, the people at the church of Philippi supported Paul fully and took their lumps and never faltered. Jesus called persons who operated at the level of partnership the salt of the earth the light of the world, because that's what they are. You know, partners in the gospel are light and salt. I, I, I can tell you as a pastor, you know, I thank God for all those people who served, not just as active Christians, but who served at the level of partnership in the gospel. I'd give my life for those people. I never worried if they were on my side. Of course they were on my side. They were partners. Partners in the gospel, building blocks of the church, backbone of the church. They solve problems, look for guests, and welcome them. They seek out ways of being constructive. So there's the first value. That's the first value. He says, I'm, I, I, I want to thank, I thank my God every time I think of you. For the, from the first day until now, you've been partners in the gospel. He's so thankful. Do you catch that? I mean, he's so thankful. These Philippians have been partners in the gospel. So that's, that's the first value. And that's what I want to encourage you. 
The first thing, you know, you, you determine to find out what a partner in the gospel is and, and step up your game if you need to or, or just keep serving at that level if, if you uh, are a partner in the gospel. Well, here's, a, here's the second, here's the second uh, value that I, I, I'd like to emphasize in this passage. Help God help you. Help God work in your life. Look at verse 6. This is where he talks about us helping God. Verse 6, he says, this is a great verse. You probably uh, know this verse. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's a great verse. You know, that God who began a good work in your life, not going to quit. He's not going to quit. He's, he, he is doing a good work in your life, and he will carry it on to completion. If you are a Christian, then God has started a work in your life. You know, if you're a believer, if you have given your life to Christ, if you've confessed Christ, then God has started to work in your life, and, and he's not going to quit. He's going to make you better, stronger, more complete, more mature, more productive, more useful. He's going to clean up your life, help you clean up your life. He's going to put new life in you. He's going to put joy in you. He's going to make you whole. He is working on us. You know, he is building our character and our priorities and our heart to be more like Jesus. God's doing it. You know, we don't always see it, but he's doing it. You know, he is doing it, some slowly. Now, uh, I have to qualify that statement a little bit. Have you noticed that God is able to work better in some people's lives than others? Have you noticed that God seems to accomplish more in some people's lives than he does in others? Why is that? Why is that? Well, if we skip ahead to chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, here's what Paul says. He says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. Work out your own salvation, for it is God who works in you. There, there's, there's two parts to God working in our life. There's a part for you to play, and there's a part for, for God to play. You remember that movie, Jerry Maguire? Remember Jerry Maguire? He, it's, a, you know, it's based on a true story. It's, it's based on, on uh, uh, Lee Steinberg. Uh, uh, it's a true story, Lee Steinberg. You know, some things were changed, of course, but it's based on a true story. Lee Steinberg was a sports agent, had one client, one client, a very good client, but a graduate of, of Cal, Cal Berkeley, a, gra- a quarterback from Cal Berkeley. It's a little different in the story. He had one client who was very talented, and he had, he had sole right to be the, the agent of that, that guy. But this guy was not quite yet ready for the NFL. His attitude, he, he just was not quite, he had the talent, but he just was not quite ready for the NFL. But you remember that part of the movie it played a Cuba Gooding is, is the athlete, and he keeps saying, you know, show me the money, show me the money, show me the money. Remember that? That's the part everybody knows. But do you remember what Tom Cruise, the agent, kept saying back? He kept saying back to Cuba Gooding, help me help you. Help me help you. Help me help you. And that's what had to happen before he was ready for the NFL. Well, that's, a, that's the way it is with us. You know, we can help God help us. We have to help God. We have to cooperate with God so that he can help us. How, how, how much good work God can do through us is dependent 
on how we cooperate with him, make ourselves available to him by reading God's word, by praying, by saying yes to opportunities, by stepping out on faith and doing something, by not forsaking the assembly together each week, by being financially committed, by being open and available to God. In all of those kinds of ways, and there's other ways, we make ourselves uh, able to be helped by God. We help God help us. And, and, And so the challenge in Philippians... And the second value I'd like to communicate is that uh, uh, make sure that you are helping God help you. You Let God work in your life by opening up possibilities for him to work. Help God help you. Work out your own salvation for it is God who is doing the work. You know, that there's a part for you and a part for God. So that, that's, that's the second value that I'd like to, uh, at the very beginning of our messages uh, together, is to uh, communicate and, and in, uh, uh, encourage you to have that attitude that I want God to do a good work in me. I want God to do whatever in me he possibly can, and I'm going to be available. I'm going to take the steps I know I should take now and, and just trust God. Okay, here's the third value. Make decisions by what really matters. Make decisions. In, in uh, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. That's, that's your theme verse, right? This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He says, he says uh, so that you may be able to discern what is best. That means that when you have two or more alternatives, you have the capacity to choose the best one. Because a lot of our life, you know, we're faced with all these different kinds of decisions. And, and, and you know, so sometimes they're equal. Sometimes they all look good. Sometimes, you know, some appeal to us more in one way and some more in the other way. But what Paul prays for the for the Philippian Christians is that they would have the capacity, the knowledge and depth of insight so that they could choose the best, not second best. They could choose the best. In the New Living Translation, verse 10 puts it this way. I want you to understand what really matters so that you can live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. I want you to understand what really matters. In other words, to choose, choose the best. And, and, and it's good for us to ask ourselves once in a while, what, what really matters in life? You know, what is most important in my life? What am I willing to give my life away for? You know, how am I, how, what am I willing to spend the time of my life doing? In parenting a teenager, you know, uh, I appreciated the comment about children, whoever said that, who, about uh, it's nice to have children, we love our children, but it's nice not to have them around right now. That's really true. You need that, huh? So important. We love our children, but sometimes you need to take a break, right? And then you come back and you love them even more. But let's, when they get teenagers, anyone have teenagers? I'll pray for you. Okay. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy to have teenagers. Would you agree? It's not easy to have teenagers. Okay. In parenting a teenager, what, is really, what really matters? A perfect bedroom or mutually respectful relationship? Which is more important? The perfect bedroom 
or a mutually respectful relationship. Sure. In a marriage, let's say a marriage where both partners work outside the home. Do many of you have, have marriages where both work outside the home? You know, both partners work. My wife has worked as a teacher and administrator. And, and it does put more stress, right? There's less time. But uh, in, a, in a marriage where both partners work outside the home, what really matters? A great dinner ready every night or a gladness to be together at the end of the day? And which is more important, the dinner or the joy of being together? Which is more important? Okay, in a marriage, in a marriage, another example, <laughs> the dinner, <laughs> if you're a guy, huh, you say, yeah, the dinner, what a... <laughs> okay, in a marriage where both partners work, which is more important, the husband doing the man's chores and the wife doing the woman's chores or, or just sharing the household responsibilities evenly so both feel good about it? Does it matter if washing the dishes We'd say is woman work. <laughs> I, I, I know a wife who mows the yard, and, and I, I do the dishes. You know, doesn't, what really matters is that we divide it up. We're both happy with it, right? That's what, that's what really, that's what. So I'm going to give you four quick guides that, that can help on discerning what is best, discerning what is best. Think benefit, benefit. What benefits the most? You know, what fosters a closer relationship to God? What builds commitment? What builds character? What strengthens? What, 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 what strengthens the relationships? What benefits your life in Christ and what, what benefits other people's lives in Christ? So first of all, like what, what, what good? What good? What's the most good that comes out of uh, the all, different alternatives? And then secondly, think long term. Think long term. Uh, most of us have bought into short term thinking. And, and, and we, want short, we want quick gratification. We want things done quickly. Amazon has same-day delivery. You can call in the morning, a book in, and get it that night. Why? Why do they have that? Because we want it, you know, then, right? We want it now. A, a, a professor named Ramesh Sitterman at the University of Massachusetts examined internet viewing habits of 6.7 million internet users, almost 7 million internet users. He studied their habits. And so, see if you fit this. How long were subjects willing to be patient for a video to download? You know what the answer was? Two seconds. Two seconds. After five seconds, 25% of the people abandoned the wait. After 10 seconds, 50% of the people abandoned the wait. You know, we want, when we push that button, we want it downloaded, we want to see it, you know? And we don't want to wait half a minute. And so, but, but you know what? That's not, that's not always the best uh, in making decisions. In making decisions, major life decisions, try to think long term, as long as you can. You know, as far out in your life as you possibly can. What is going to get you there? What's going to get you what you really in your heart and with praying and, you know, thinking through with God, what's going to get you there? Wait, what, what would you have to do to get there? And think long term. Uh, and then third, think people. People are what count. People, you know, people, relationships, not rules or traditions. One thing I can tell about this church, and I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm, this is the first time I've been here, and, and I've talked to Paul several times 
on the telephone and have read your website, but one thing I can tell about this church that I thank God for is it doesn't have a lot of rules. And you would not have asked those questions. Is that true? I hope that's true. I think it's true. You know, here's why. I don't think you'd be wearing shorts. Everyone here has shorts. Is there one person who has... Oh, one, long pants. Okay, one, only one. That's all I see. Everybody has shorts on, number one. The kind of questions that were asked, you know, that just tells me these guys are not uptight. That's what it tells me. You know, it really does. It tells me these, these are not uptight, judgmental people. You know, it really is. And, and, and that's important. That's really important. And that's really attractive. It's really attractive that you're, you're, you're human, right? You let yourself be human. I mean, you follow God, but, but you don't put on a false front. You don't try to be something you're not. You know, you're not trying to look spiritual. You know, you're just being yourself and following God. And that's, that's really good. What count are, are people and relationships? And uh, w- w- when you're making decisions, especially financial decisions, remember that more, having more, will not make you happy. You know, I, I, we all have a, a, probably a healthy a standard of living, but uh, uh, remind yourself that how rich you are compared to most people in the world. Now, I've just come from Cambodia, and, and let me tell you, uh, I saw a, a couple that had a little apartment. These were people who had an apartment. A lot of people don't have an apartment, but you know what their table, they're, you, know what, you know what their, uh, 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 they had a little porch, you know what their backyard table set was? It was two plastic chairs, and a pan in between. That's their outdoor furniture, you know? And, and you know, just remind yourself, you, you are in the top 2 or 3% of wealth, uh, uh, of people, people in the world. Don't confuse standard of living with quality of life. You know, they are not the same. They are not the same. And go for quality of life. Okay, here's the, here's the last one. Think, think people... Think, think life contribution, life contribution. You know, I, I believe that God has something wonderful for you to do. I believe that God has something wonderful for every person in this room to accomplish. You know, it, it, and it'll be different. Doesn't mean you have to go into ministry. Doesn't mean you have to be a missionary, but it'll be right up your alley. It'll be something you're made for, something you just can't wait to do. God has something for uh, that, that, that is wonderful, that you're going to be blessed, it's going to bless others. I don't know what it is. I, I, I hope you do. You know, I hope you do. But think, how can you contribute the most with the kind of person you are, the kind of talents you have? How can you make your largest contribution to others? How can you make your largest impact? How can you be of most influence uh, for good for, for other people? Jesus asked, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? That's a good question. You know, think, think life contribution. Decide what's really important in your life because, you know, we are talking about eternal consequences that, that uh, are, are going to last forever. So, so that's the third value, Christian value, is make wise decisions. Okay, let me, let me draw it to a close. Be a partner in the gospel. Cooperate with God in your life. And make decisions in your life about what really matters. Now, let me tell you something that happened to us. Uh, 25 years ago, uh, our church, Diamond Canyon Christian Church, uh, went through a major uh, 
crash, a major, major problem. And it happened at the same time that my wife, Deidre, had gone out jogging one morning and fell down on her back and on the sidewalk, and, and one of her discs disintegrated. And she had four major surgeries, was in a hospital bed for two years, a pain management program in the hospital for eight weeks, and uh, it took about eight years, eight years to, to get, get her fully recovered. Anyway, that's when it happened. One of the elders in the church, a man who I loved, I respected, was part of her eldership, uh, wanted to take over the church. And a couple of his friends wanted to take over the church. Our church was relocating from Roland Heights to Diamond Bar. And they were using that, because that, that's, that's, that's hard for a church to go through. And, and, and they were using that. They were saying, you know, Jim wants to destroy the church. They were saying, Jim just wants to move the church closer to his house. Uh, so, at the, so Deidre and I did, we moved 26 miles away, you know, and, and, and uh, they couldn't use that argument anymore. I used to get 10 uh, notes, wicked notes, terrible notes, you know, painful notes to read every Sunday, you know. And then they, when they found out they weren't going to be able to take over the church, they left and started another church, and they used our church directory. We don't have directories anymore, but they used our church directory and called everyone in the directory, told them how bad I was, and come to their church. Well, their church only lasted two years because it was founded on hate. It was founded you know, on, on, on a rebellious spirit. It didn't last. It didn't last. On the other hand, you know, our church lasted and grew. Our church lasted and prospered. Our church remained healthy and strong to the present day. You know, we got through it. You know how I got through it? You know how our church got through it? Partners in the gospel. Partners in the gospel. I could name uh, probably as many people in this room that would have, would have gone to the cross with me. You know, that, would, that would, have, would have done anything to keep the church healthy and strong and were, were supportive. You know, and, and they were partners in the gospel. That's what got me through. It's what got Deidre through. It's what got Diamond Canyon through. With those partners in the gospel. A staff, staff members who went to the mat for me. You know, who stood up for me. And, and, and partners in the gospel. I, I love that phrase of the Apostle Paul. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I cry tears of thankfulness when I think of those partners in the gospel and how they stood with us during that incredibly difficult time. You know, someday God will ask you a question. What did you do with my son who died on the cross for you? And there's only one good answer. I accept him, him as my Savior and my Lord. And maybe, maybe God will ask you another question. Maybe he'll say, how involved were you in my church? How involved were you in my church? And I believe there's only one best answer, and here it is. I was a partner in the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for the people here of Crossway. I thank you for their faith, their commitment. I, I, as we get started here, Father, on this weekend, I pray that, that uh, the book of Philippians is going to be uh, one of their guiding books that will be a blessing to each one and a blessing to the church. Father, we, we ask your hand 
on all the things that's going to happen this weekend. We commit it to you. Uh, I, I love the phrase. I think that was a great phrase that Pastor Paul had us ask one another that we, we need that refreshment. We want that refreshment, and you can do it. And we pray for that to happen in each life here. In Jesus' name, amen.